If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hey, Patrice, does this mean we're recording now? We are. And this is going to be our first episode of Listener Lore. Cool. So we don't really have a structured kind of like somebody wrote in exactly um, what they wanted us to say. Mm -hmm. We more got like direct messages from a couple of people um, or even met face to face Mm -hmm. about these stories. So. We have not truly researched them like we normally do, um, which means we don't haven't researched. In my case, it means I really haven't researched this at all, except for just reading a couple articles right now about it, so that I can convey to you um, this first story. And of course, it's on my computer. And ultimately, if you have a story that you would be interested in us sharing listener lore, we would love it if I can't even say listener lore that fast because we're recording this post recording the other one that I drank a lot of mojitos during. But um, uh, yes. yes, we would love it if you would, um, you can write up like what you would like us to say. And right. We absolutely. will read your story. That's what we're hoping will happen. Uh, because we were talking about this early is like, if we're having to do all the work, we're just going to save it for our own yeah. story. We will steal your thing. <laughs> exactly. We will take your idea and use them as our own if we have to do the research. Um, but this first one, actually, um, this guy, Scotty from Alma, Georgia, uh, sent a message talking about his hometown in Alma, Georgia, which is in Bacon County, which sounds delicious. <laughs> Back on! Back on! Uh, He's like, have you heard about this? And of course, I have not. And he's like, this is kind of what my town is famous for. And it's really what got me kind of towards the freak show, sideshow angle that I did a couple of weeks ago. With the Muse Brothers, right? With the yeah. Muse Brothers. Um, but this is the wild man of Okifinoki. Okifinoki! And it's really, he is more like a side, a very sad sized story to what happened but this dentist named let me find his name again like i said not as prepared (laughs) this dentist named dr jr dedge okay not dredge either sounds a little bit too intimidating for a dentist right jr dr jr dedge um, is a dentist who's living in Alma, Georgia, around like uh, turn of the century, 1900s, like late 1800s, 1900s, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes up with this scheme because at this time, uh, it's you know, 
it's like right past the Victorian era where it's just fascination with the exotic and that kind of reflects like the pseudoscience or the occult that we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to wild men. And wild men became very popular because at this time they're talking about like evolution and it's like, you know, if there's a link between man and ape, how come we don't have these wild men? And so, of course, that's like, you know, cues up like all the con men to say Mm -hmm. like, but we do. And let me prove this to you. So (laughs) pay me five dollars. Right. Exactly. Apparently, Dr. Um, Dedge, I'm going to say Dredge, but Dr. (laughs) Dedge. Dr. Doom. Yes, who is a dentist, uh, comes up with this scheme and um, he comes up with this scheme to take a person and uh, that would volunteer. And, and I think like he asked, you know, different kinds of people, um, because obviously he as a dentist, he had a little bit more money, it was a little bit more well to do. Uh, and so he's he was trying to convince people uh you know, to join him that or that would actually do this. And let me tell you, he finally found a guy. And the way that they describe this guy is low brow. And it's really, it's hard to read some of this stuff because again, it was written in the time of its post, um, you know, slavery, mm-hmm. post civil war, but still very much in the South and still a lot of the vernacular mm. is very degrading. So, um, he, he found, uh, he found a person that volunteered to do this, who basically had no other means. I mean, he was poor, wasn't that smart. Um, but he allowed him to take him into surgery and to, uh, do incisions on the top of his head and he peeled back the uh peeled back his scalp Uh, and put ah. metal plates into his skull that had screws attached to them and then what he did is he took goat horns and he screwed in the goat horns into this man's scalp and then sewed it back up uh and then remove the stitches to where that the skin actually grew around the horns so that he looked like he actually had horns. Holy and shit. And they were part of him. So there was like this sur- surgical alteration of this fellow. And he tore him. He, he put him in a cage and he pulled him behind the car and he toured them <sighs> around the southern states. Again, this is kind of like during that sideshow um heyday yeah heyday you know of the early 1900s and made tons of money and then he even took him down to south america and toured him around there and during this time he met up with this judge and the judge was named charles j metter and so they kind of like you know teamed up to you know present this guy and, and they went around and they were just racking up the money, uh, showing this guy off with horns. And this was supposed to be like the missing link. These are the wild men of Borneo. You know, these oh are the, the the missing link between man and I don't know goat. I was gonna I, I say know. I was like, what? Yeah, people so, are so gross. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I don't have any like they were paying the guy, so mm-hmm. I don't think that they were necessarily like 
you know, making the guy do it. The guy did it of his own free will, mm-hmm. and they were giving him money, but I'm sure they weren't giving him nearly oh, as yeah. much. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I bet they right. didn't share an equal So definitely percentage. a lot of exporta- exportation of this poor fellow. Um, but, you know, he went along with it, and they did this for a while, and one of the accounts say that this guy got drunk, um, and the actual wild man got drunk and, like, revealed the secret. Mm. And then once the secret was out, then it was like, well, we got to go do something else. Mm-hmm. So these two con men, they go back to Alma, Georgia. Uh, the dentist has, like, a plantation. And I think the judge runs it for a little while. And they basically, their families become, like, really tight. And they're, like, basically living together. Both okay. the families are. And for, again, one reason or another... And I think it has to do with money. I'm pretty sure it has to do with money. They get into a squabble. The judge goes out, opens up a practice um, in town, and he moves out there. And not too much long. Let me get the date. I want to say it was like bump, bump, bump. That's when they went. They went to South America, like 1901. And this is what happens when I don't have all my research together. (laughs) I want to find out. So it was like 1919. Um, They were supposed to, they had like a falling out and Benners is coming out of his office downtown and Dr. Dedge and his nephew drive by and shoot him with a shotgun in the back of the neck. Of course. Of course. And so, um, it becomes like this huge, it becomes a sensational trial there in Alma, Georgia. And that's probably why people still talk about it. Because first of all, it's like these two con men, you know, cooked up this scheme to have, you know, the horned man of Borneo, mm-hmm. you know, touring around. And then when that fell apart, um, I'm sure animosity and, you know, money. And they were probably horrible people anyway. Mm. And so... They, they kill the judge, the, the dentist kills the judge, and they go on trial. Well, the trial, of course, everybody's talking about, you know, what they did to this guy, and that's why it was so sensational. Um, the trial had, like, two mistrials. So the guy pretty much, it was pretty much one and done kind of deal. It's like a no-brainer. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't think they had a witness. Maybe they did. <laughs> Holy cow. Again, but... It was pretty much, it was a mistrial. It had two mistrials. And then finally on the third, they convicted the dentist of um, killing the judge. And he was supposed to serve like a life sentence Mm -hmm. and ended up only serving three years, I believe. How does that work? I don't know. Let me see. Bump, bump, bump. So, third trial, sentenced to life in prison, but was freed on appeal to the Georgia Supreme Court after serving only three years. Oh, okay. Um, Sensational murder trials, blah, blah, blah. Something for the governor's office. So, probably he knew people in high places, and that's how things get done around here. Mm -hmm. So, that is my story that listener Scotty sent in. And I will post links. He sent a bunch of links if you want to read more about the wild men and um, 
these con men. Also, another thing they that family apparently it's like they were all like doctors and dentists hmm. that family and but they were also like just bad people. They <laughs> they were like forgers, so they came back from South America and they had like the, the coins that they brought back and they were trying to pawn them off as like ten dollar gold pieces. Oh, and they cost like half that much, and so they were selling it for ten dollars, so they were making like hundred percent profit on it. Oh shit. So, you know, just really no good. Bad raisin. Yeah, absolutely, people. But that's what made, put Alma, Georgia on the map and during the early 1900s was this sensational trial of the dentist shooting the judge. Because of the wild man of Borneo. Because of the wild man of Borneo. Crazy. Exactly. Welcome to the strange south. Yes, no kidding. (laughs) That is super strange. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Scotty, for that. Yes, and for everybody else who sent things, it, we'll probably throw some other things together in the next few weeks, too, that other people have talked about on our like Instagram messaging and everything. Absolutely. Um, I was going to talk real quickly about a story that I was thinking about doing as a full-on story, but I couldn't really figure out how to make it work, so... I'm just going to do it like this. It is a listener lore because um, this is the story that was told to me by my good friend, Emily. And then I talked to her grandfather about it, who is a friend of mine. His name is Dole. And um, she calls him Nandy. That's that's her grandpa name for him. And so if I call him Nandy in the story, that's why, because that's how I call him, too. But um, he's a super nice guy. He's quite old. He um, plays like the banjo and the violin and the fiddle, and he makes a killer blueberry wine. But, um, in high school, which I honestly was trying to figure out when that would have been, I keep on thinking like probably maybe the fifties when Nandy was in high school. Um, he was driving around with several friends and this is just north of where we record here. This is up in Pleasant Valley in my community where I live, um, outside of Jacksonville, Alabama. And um, there's very little in Pleasant Valley. Like, to this day, I am the end of the places where you can get internet. Like, go further north than my house, nobody's got internet. You have to go to work to use the internet. So, you know, which is funny. Like, that's the, <laughs> that's the sign of, like, rural, like, isolation now. It's Absolutely. like, we don't have the internet. But um, that's what we're talking. So um, in Pleasant Valley, um, Doyle and his friends in high school were driving around in the evening um, on Nisbet Lake Road, which is the road that I live on. I've just told you too much. We, we will cut that out. Please don't stalk me. Yes. <laughs> um, but he was, he was driving around and um, it was late and everybody was happy and everybody was smiling. And then all of a sudden, burp up over a hill they saw this giant light in the sky and um it looked like floodlights or like headlights or something but it was way too big and it was all the way up over the hill and then all of a sudden it was like over the car what in like zero time like it wasn't like they waited for it it just immediately was over the car and they kept on driving and they're freaking out because there's this giant light that whatever it is is like something in the sky is following them and it followed over the car for a good little while oh wow and um they like i guess they they eventually lost it and by the time they dropped off the people that were in the car with them it was like him and his soon-to-be wife and his brother or cousin i think oh no his sister and her boyfriend maybe and a friend and um they were i mean the 
everybody in the car was crying by the time they dropped people off because they were all like legitimately terrified by this like completely unidentified weirdness that was coming out of the sky and um so you know they all i guess they all kind of talked about it but it you know it hadn't really happened again and um then it was like i think he said a couple of months later his friend doug who sadly passed away a couple of years ago. I knew Doug too. He's a good guy. Um, but they were friends in high school and, um, he had been in the car that night and in the middle of the night, one night, a couple of months later, Doug came banging on their door in the middle of the night and Nandy's dad went to the door and opened it and said, this is Doug is here to talk to you. And Doyle went out to talk to him and they, um, he said, I saw that thing again. Oh God. He's like, I saw that thing. And you have to come, come with me. We're going to go. I, I don't know what's going on. But we're, I, I've got to show you, like, I'm not crazy. We're going to go see this thing. Right. And so, um, he, he hopped in the car with Doug and they drove down this like road again, back the other direction, not to the same place that they were. Um, but they went kind of South from where they lived. And, um, before long, they saw this really big light in the sky over the hill. And again, it came straight over their car and like, follow their car and it was like they both of them were very clear i mean and right he's i i mean god i guess nandy's in his 80s i don't know um he's an eccentric dude you know right but he had no waver at all in this and everybody in his family has heard this story i mean it doesn't change right this is and i think the thing that sells it is that like this this quick moving thing Mm -hmm. that if it was just like you know i've driven up that way and seen you know, there are houses that are built up on the hills every once in a while and the, the driveway will kind of wind around. And if you see the headlights driving up the driveway at night, there's no streetlights out there. Right. And you know there wasn't in like, the 50s. Right. So it kind of looks like there's something floating in the sky. Right. But that's not what this was. It was like... It didn't follow you and no, get on top of the car. No, it like ran to you. So um, that was Nandy's UFO story. And yeah. I wanted to have him record it. But if you know Doll, you know that 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 story that I just told you probably would have taken about three hours, and um, probably would have been a fantastic. Three it would hours. have been amazing. Actually, he's really fun to talk to, and he's super cool. Um, but I figured I'd just go ahead and tell it for him right now. Um, so yeah, apparently UFO sightings in Pleasant Valley, Alabama, and I have since I've talked to him about this. I've looked, I've found no newspaper reportings of any of this. He doesn't talk about having told anybody, you know, official or anything like that, but we don't have like military bases or, well, I guess we had, I mean, we had Fort McClellan, which I guess was probably open then. Um, So, I mean, there's, there's some possibility of like military helicopters maybe or something like that, but those make noise, you know, right? and people know what they are and what they they sound like. like uh, don't follow civilians right in cars in it's the middle of, like, of the night yeah, like against. unless they're out for some like i'm gonna follow these teenagers on a joyride ha 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 you know right. so uh, and again if they did what the hell was it yeah right so, because they didn't have drones back then or anything like that yeah i mean t- we and didn't we did not still, have that technology yeah, yeah if it was a drone you you have to like be within sight of it in order for it to like well at least the commercial grade i guess military grade you can they have long range satellite stuff i guess but i mean who but not, who's the not the 50, you know i yeah. don't know area 51 and all that shit i don't know what we've got i watch the x-files you know, <laughs> i know what's up but uh yeah so anyway that's that's nandy's ufo story which is intriguing yeah so, there we go there we go so, listener lore listener lore y'all have a good day have a good day bye <laughs>